morning, Solace Church. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of our 915 service. If you're a guest visiting with us today, thank you for choosing to be here this morning. We're in week two of our series called Death Was Arrested. I'm so glad that you're here. If you missed last week's message, you can go online to solacechurch.com and you can check it out. And the reason why I tell you that is because today is the conclusion of what took place last week. Last week, we talked about what it looked like for Jesus to walk the last week of his life here on earth. And he faced the cross on Friday. And uh, so we celebrated all that last week. Today, of course, is the conclusion of the matter. Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning. And that's why, for the most part, you're here. And so I'm glad that you chose to be here today. If you're watching online, thank you for being a part of our online community this morning at solacechurch.com. So you came to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday at Solace Church, and I think that was a really good decision. I applaud you for that. That's great. But I want to ask you a question. As we consider the whole idea of resurrection, think about this for a moment. Why would someone prioritize their life around being at church on Easter Sunday? By far, Easter Sunday at Solace is the largest attended service of the year. It's not even close. We are usually about twice as large on Easter Sunday than we are any other week of the year. Why is that the case? Why would people who are very busy and who are very active with lives, who have busy schedules with their kids, with activities, and with, with, with school, and with work, you know, parents, why would we take time on this Sunday to come together? It's an important question. It's so important that it's worth even considering what, what took place in the first century just after the resurrection of Jesus. I don't know if you realize this or not, but, but Jewish people living in Jerusalem actually uh, had a chance to experience the resurrection, many of them became Christ followers. You can read about some of that in the book of Acts, but many people became followers of Christ, thousands and thousands of people. And the first century church began to, to kind of get organized, and they began to meet on a regular basis. But in the first century, they generally met very early on, on Saturday, which is called the Sabbath. Work week in the first century was Sunday through Friday evening. And then Friday evening to Saturday evening, it was the Sabbath. Work was not allowed. And the first century church, very early on, met on Saturday and and really worshipped in the very temple they had worshipped at previous to Jesus rising from the dead. But something very interesting happened. At some point along the way, the church began to reorient their life around the resurrection. So they would, at one point, worship on Saturday. But at some point in history, the church moved from Saturday worship to a Sunday experience. It was that significant in the life of the early believer. Now, now think about the implications of that for a moment. Anyone in the room have a cross necklace? A few of you? You don't want to raise your hands this morning? Thank you. Many churches have a cross uh, either on their building or in their front yard or somewhere on their facilities. The cross is a significant symbol in Christianity. Uh, In some some regards, it defines the Christian movement. But do you realize the church had the opportunity in the first century to meet on Friday, which is the day Jesus died, which is all about the cross. But they didn't. 
they chose rather to reorient their life on a different work day, which was Sunday. And I know in our world today, it's common practice to come to church on Sunday. But in the first century, it was groundbreaking. It was a, it was a really radical idea to move away from Saturday worship to Sunday worship. It, the resurrection literally changed the course of history. It was so significant in their life. The resurrection is so significant that when Paul who was radically changed by an appearance of the risen Jesus, when Paul wrote Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, he would say these words, that if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God, do you remember the rest of the phrase? That God raised him from the dead, not that God nailed him to the cross, not those events, not that he performed great miracles, But if you would believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you would be saved. Do you see how central that was to Paul's theology? It's central to the Christian movement. And so that's probably why you showed up today. There's some people in the room this morning. This may be your first time to be at church in an entire year. There's some in the room this morning. This may be the first time you've been at church in years and years and years. Why did you come today? Some of you would say, well, because my mom and dad made me. I had no choice. Some of you are here and you came because, you know, that friend or neighbor invited you and you thought, you know, you know, it's Easter. I'll, I'll, I'll go. But as I look at scripture, as I look at the event of of, of the resurrection, and as I see how it radically changed the life of first century believers, it draws me to a conclusion that's a little bit uncomfortable. If this is offensive, don't leave. It'd be really difficult to get out of your seat anyway, all right? Just, Just stay with me, okay? This is the conclusion. That the implications of Easter are so significant that it should either compel us to prioritize all of our life around it, or none of our life around it. Because that's what it did for a first century believer. When they accepted the idea that Jesus really rose from the dead, their whole schedules changed in light of the resurrection. It moved all of their work week. It shifted all of their emphasis to that moment in time. That's how significant the resurrection really is. Now, lest you think that you know that's an incredible phrase and brilliant and my pastor's amazing, I didn't come up with that. That had nothing to do with me. This was said a long time before I ever walked onto the stage. As a matter of fact, Paul the Apostle said these very words. Not in this exact phrase, but he stated the same thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it is by, by far the most detailed passage of Scripture in the entire Bible as it relates to the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about this very reality. Last year on Easter, I spoke about the first part of 1 Corinthians 15, which, which is the historical proof of the resurrection, right? Uh, Paul says that, you know, it, 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 this is a creed. Uh, Jesus lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again, he appeared to certain people, and last of all to me. That's what I preached last week and talked about the proofs of the resurrection. Uh, and I had to do that through video. You guys remember that? Because I had a hole in my lung. But not this year. I'm healed. After Paul gives the convincing proofs of the resurrection, then Paul Paul makes a statement. 
Because there are some that say that Christ did not rise from the dead. And by the way, if that's you here this morning, I'm going to make the assumption that Christ rose from the dead for the rest of this message. But if you're here this morning and you're not convinced that Jesus actually historically rose from the dead, I would love to go to lunch with you. Not to harass you and not to just debate you, but I want to hear from you. Because this event is so significant. Paul, in in giving the convincing proofs, moves on and said, but some say that Christ has not been raised. And then in verse 14, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. What I'm telling you right now is worthless. Don't listen if Christ has not been raised. And so is your faith. You showed up today for a very bad reason. If Christ has not been raised, then my message and every message preached about Jesus is pointless. And any hope and faith you put in Christ is worthless as well. Do you see this? It's either worth putting none of your time and priority into. Or it's worth prioritizing all of me too. Because Paul goes on in the text to say this. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And there are many benefits because of that. At the very end of 1 Corinthians 15, the very last verse in this section, as Paul wraps up, his thoughts about the resurrection. Paul says this, therefore, it's my favorite word in scripture. You know why? Because anytime you see the word therefore, you're supposed to find out what it's. All three of you got it. All right, that's awesome. Thank you. Therefore is the connecting word. It it connects everything previous in the text to what is about to be said. And Paul says, in light of this reality that Christ rose from the dead, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves what? Fully. Because the resurrection is worth giving all of me to or none of me to. Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's what it did for the first century believer. It totally changed them. And my prayer is this, that on this Easter Sunday it would totally change you as well. That if the whole resurrection story, the whole church thing has been marginally important to you, my prayer is it become the central emphasis in your life. You know, there's quite a few people in the room today and they showed up for a couple of different reasons, I'm sure. Some of you may be here today and you showed up to, to, to Solace this morning, you know, because Easter is that, it's kind of a historical event. And the truth is, that's about as far as some of you have taken it. And that's okay. I'm, wherever you are is where you are. But, but for some of you, it is that historical event. I mean, we do this from time to time, right? I mean, Thanksgiving kind of is like that. We we go eat at our family's house, sometimes willingly, sometimes begrudgingly, if it's the in-laws. And so we do this you know, Thanksgiving thing, and we go and we celebrate. And what are we doing on Thanksgiving, right? We're remembering, we're reflecting. And it might not be all that significant to you, you know, that pilgrims were starving and they needed some help from our Native American friends. And so, you know, maybe that's all, not all that significant, but you take the time to do it, right? You're okay with the day off, right? Because it's Thanksgiving and you go eat with your family. I think sometimes that's, that's maybe how we view the resurrection. Like, it was cool. It happened like 2,000 years ago, and that's great. And I'll go you know, do my duty at church and show up, and that's great. It's a cultural thing. The truth is, there's some people here this morning, and the resurrection is more than just a cultural event. It's been life-changing for them. It's been life-changing for me. One of the things I love about Scripture is that Scripture helps us understand the significance of the resurrection for my personal life. The resurrection is not just an event in history. It's an event that affects my personal life when I accept the reality of Christ as Lord and as the one who rose from the dead. Actually, in Scripture, and I just want to work through this very practically for the next couple of minutes. In Scripture, several different times, 
the resurrection is mentioned, and then the benefit of the resurrection is given. So since Christ rose from the dead, then this is our reality. So, so just follow me for just a couple of moments, because the truth is some in the room have been changed in this very way because of the resurrection of Jesus and their acceptance of it. And so <clears throat> Paul in, for, in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, helps us understand one of the initial parts of the resurrection, how significant it is. And this is what Paul says, he that is Christ was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The word justification is a legal term. It literally means uh, to be made right or to be declared right. Has anyone in the room ever in their life felt like they were not right with God? Have you ever felt that feeling before? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand because that would be awkward. Like, that's me right now. If you've ever been in a place where you felt like, I don't know if I'm right with God. Like, if I die this very moment, I'm not sure, like, that's a moment I'm ready for to stand before the, you know, the, the, the old man upstairs that, that created me, right? I don't know about that. What Paul says is in light of the resurrection, because Jesus rose from the dead, not just that he died on the cross, but because he rose from the dead, proving his, proving his divinity... He completed the act of justification. Therefore, those who accept Christ could be declared right before the Father. That is, those who've received Jesus, can be, they, can, they can be said about them that they are right before God. They can go to sleep every single night knowing that when they die, when they stand before God, he will declare them righteous, justice, uh, 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 forgiven, and holy. It's a good thing. That's not a bad start. Would you agree that's, not, that's a pretty good start to the whole conversation? Declared right, but that's not the end of the journey. Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 6 that because of the resurrection, something else happens. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Has anyone in the room ever heard of a mulligan? If you play golf, you have owned a mulligan many times, I'm sure. You know what a mulligan is? A mulligan is I hit a bad shot and I want to re-hit that shot. Anyone wish they could have a mulligan on life? Paul says to us, because of the resurrection, not only are we declared righteous before the Father, not only is that true, but we get the opportunity when we receive Christ to get a whole new uh, created being that is on the inside of me. I once was passionate about all the world have to, has to offer, but now in Christ, because of the resurrection, I can pursue a brand new life. That what was once full of destruction can now be full of life and life to its fullest. That's the promise of the resurrection. You get a mulligan on life. And it doesn't mean you're going to go back and redo. But from this point forward, life can be and will be different. It's the resurrection and the significance of it. Jesus enters the equation in in John chapter 11 and helps us understand more fully about the resurrection and the significance. Not only am I declared righteous before the Father, not only do I get a chance to do life in a whole different way after salvation, but also Jesus says in John chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Church, hear me. This was before he died. He declares this truth about himself. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. In verse 26, he says, And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Think about what what, what he just said for a moment. Think about what Jesus just said about those who believe in him. Think about this. One of the greatest fears men have is death. You know why? Because it feels so unnatural and so final. It is separation. It is pain. All that comes with that. 
Death is a great fear of mankind. But hear me. Think about the significance of the statement. Jesus said, the believer in Christ, the one who believes in him, the resurrection and the life, will never die. December 31st of 2014, you know the story if you've been here with us. I was lying in a hospital bed at St. Francis in the ER. My body was becoming more and more paralyzed. It started in my legs. It moved up through my midsection. Eventually, my lungs stopped working. I was lying in, my, in, the, in that bed. I could not talk. I could not speak. I could not open my eyes. And my, and my uh, ability to breathe ceased. I don't know if you can laugh at this. It might be awkward. But I remember thinking a couple of things. Like, number one, that's not good. I, like, I don't know exactly what's going on, but this is, this is not good. And I remember thinking, whatever, whatever it is that causes you to breathe stopped working in my brain. And so I don't even know how to... I've never, never really had to think about having to breathe. I've just done it all my life, like kind of naturally. And now I have to think, and I can't even think to cause myself to breathe. And my heart started ra- racing rapidly. You've heard that story before, but I was lying there in the bed, and I was, I was very much fully awake, and I was considering, I'm about to die. I can't even explain to you how important the resurrection of Jesus was to me in that moment. I can't even explain to you how important it was to know that if my heart stopped beating here, that that wasn't the end of me. Because in Christ, through the resurrection, it's not the end of me. It's just the transition from one conscious state of reality into the next conscious state of reality. Because my life now in Christ will never end. Hear me. Paul says that we are dead in our transgressions and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. That's pretty cool. Never dying. Only transitioning. Because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And the very moment I breathe my last breath here is the very moment I step into his presence. That's pretty amazing. But that's not the end of the story. I want to conclude with what what, uh, Peter says. Peter, who is very close to the story of the resurrection, gives us one other insight into the greatness of the resurrection. And in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, he says, In his great mercy, he, that is God, has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And the text goes on to say that he's given us an inheritance that is incorruptible and not fading. Can I end with this? Not only am I declared right before the Father, I can lay my, lie my head down on the pillow at night, go to bed with peace in my heart, knowing if I die, I'm ready to stand before God. That's significant in and of itself. Not only is that true, not only is it true that I can live a whole different life centered and prioritized around the resurrection, which brings life to its fullest. Not only do I not have to fear death anymore because death was arrested through the death, burial, and resurre- resurrection. Not only is all that true, but also this is true in conclusion. There is a hope that exists in the life of the believer that does not exist anywhere else in this world. I have the unfortunate privilege and honor of speaking at many, many funerals. And at the funeral or the graveside of an individual who has passed away, who has accepted Christ, one of the things I say to the family, and it brings incredible hope, I read to them 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which Paul says this, We do not grieve like the rest of men grieve. We grieve, yes, we struggle, yes. There's difficulties, yes. It's, it, it, it's hard. There are circumstances that come our way that are difficult. But we don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. 
Because of the resurrection, we may grieve, but we grieve differently. It is the unique distinction of of someone inside of Christ versus someone outside of Christ. Here's the reality. You ready? When we put that person who we love so much into the ground, it's one of the most painful moments known to man. But hear me. Here's what I tell everyone in that room, everyone that's standing around. I say, hear me. I choose not to use the words goodbye. I rather choose the words, we'll see you later. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we too will rise as well. And we will be reunited with those who are in Christ. Church, I want to see my grandpa Mac. I want to see family members who have gone before me. And we will because of Christ now. Here's what I want you to do. For a moment, would you just just bow your heads and close your eyes? Just for a moment. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solidchurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.